Well, good morning, Calvary family. It's so good to be with you this morning as we open up, open up God's word and we journey together through these unprecedented times. I want to bring a word of encouragement to you before we begin our sermon today. I want to say thank you for making your faith a priority in this last season. We are praising the Lord daily for the strength and commitment of our people, the Lord's people, in such a time as this. For we know that it's not been easy for you, for us, for marriages and for families and for our kids and for the church. But in hard times, we rally together and we press in. And we believe that the Lord has held us together as a church and as a family. And he is continuing to add numbers daily who will be saved, who are being saved and will be saved. And my prayer this morning is that the Lord would continue to strengthen you as we do life together. I pray that you are encouraged this morning as you have heard the testimonies, as, as, you, as, you, as you have worshipped, and as we open up God's word. So let us begin. Let us dare stand for God, though we stand alone, cultivating the courage of your convictions so that you may stand in these dark days. That's the title of my message this morning as we press in opening up God's word. Church, do you know how important it is to know what you believe and why you believe it? You've probably heard that phrase or saying, if you don't stand for something, you will fall for anything. And one of the greatest lessons that I have learned as a Christian is to make sure that I know what I believe and why I believe it. So when the testing comes, I can stand in the strength of Christ. Family, it seems that that never stops. The testing and the trials and the learning. And I've noticed very clearly in my own life and in the lives of those I counsel within my ministry that it is very easy for us to forget what we believe and why we believe it when things become so desolate, so painful, so hard to comprehend. So before we even dive into God's word, I want to bring a reminder to God's people. If you drove in here this morning or you're tuning in online, I want to remind you that it is so easy for us as believers to forget what the Lord has done. Because our attention always seems to be focused on whatever is going on in the here and in the now. And in most cases, if it is hard stuff, we don't call to memory the loyalty, the faithfulness, and the power of our God that has been ever so present in our lives. So believer, in Christ, I want to remind you of this truth before we open God's word, that you as a believer in Jesus Christ have been called out of darkness, that you have received a new heart and a new mind that is able to go to God when things are hard. You have been sealed with the Holy Spirit. You are, you are identified by Christ as a branch that is connected to the vine, you are not alone in your situation. You are not alone in your marriage. You are not alone in your parenting. You are justified. You are regenerated. You are adopted. You are sanctified positionally and being sanctified progressively, progressionally. But note this, in this world, we will face trouble. In your life, you personally, you, who I'm talking to will be called to stand for Christ. 
Your firm convictions believed in faith will help you stand under the pressure brought on by the culture that is so greatly trying to eradicate the church. But let me bring caution. Misguided priorities lead to simplistic folly. See, when our hearts and our minds and our theology are not on the same page, we will take hard, complex truth that is meant to to be a safeguard in our life, to protect us, to lead us, to grow us, and we simplify it down to an emotion. And we say things like, it's not that big of a deal. And then before we know it, we're far from God. God doesn't move. We move away from God after our own sin. And the people of God need to be of sound mind and sound faith in the might of God. And this morning, we're going to look at two characters, two awesome characters that were called to stand on behalf of God. We're going to look at Elijah, whose name means my God. I love this. My God is Jehovah. I pray that each of us could be able to say Elijah today, that my God is Jehovah. And we're going to look at Obadiah. And his name means servant of the Lord. So I'm going to pray and I'm going to open up God's word and we're going to get some context and we're going to dive in together. Let's do that together. Big prayer for me this morning, Lord. I come to you and I'm asking that we could present this message in your great strength and your great power. Please, Lord, I pray that you would bend your ear down and listen to this prayer and come and do a good thing in our hearts today. I believe on you to act today. You're a God of action and I pray that your spirit would be active in every home, every heart, and every car on this lot. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Kings 18, 1 through 15. We're going to dive into God's word. Chapter 18, verse 1. After a long time in the third year, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Go and present yourself to Ahab and I will send rain to, on the land. So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab. Now the famine was severe in Samaria, and Ahab had summoned Obadiah, who was in charge of his palace. Obadiah was a devout believer in the Lord. While Jezebel was killing off the Lord's prophets, Obadiah had taken a hundred prophets and hid them in two caves, fifty in each cave, and supplied them with food and water. Ahab had said to Obadiah, go through the land to all the springs and valleys, and maybe we can find some grass to keep the horses and the mules alive so we will not have to kill any of our animals. So they divided the land. They went to cover, Ahab going in one direction, Obadiah in another. As Obadiah was walking along, Elijah met him. Obadiah recognized him, bowed down to the ground and said, Is that really you, Lord Elijah? Yes, he replied. Go tell your master, Elijah is here. What have I done wrong, asked Obadiah, that you are handing your servant over to Ahab to put him to death? As you... As surely as the Lord your God lives, there's not a nation or kingdom where my master has not sent someone to look for you. And whenever a nation or a kingdom claimed that that you were not there, he made them swear that they could not find you. But now you tell me to go to my master and say, Elijah is here? I do not know where the spirit of the Lord may carry you when I leave you. If I go and tell Ahab and he doesn't find you, he will kill me. Yet I, your servant, have worshiped the Lord since my youth. Haven't you heard, my Lord, what I did while Jezebel was killing the prophets of the Lord? I hid, I hid a hundred of the Lord's prophets in two caves, 50 in each, and supplied them with food and water. And now you tell me to go to my master and say, Elijah is here, he will kill me. 
Elijah said, as the Lord Almighty lives, whom I serve, I will surely present myself to Ahab today. This is the word of the Lord. May I add a blessing to it this morning. Elijah, Elijah's hiding has ended. The ravens have been laid off from their part-time gig. The widow's son is alive and the word of the Lord has come. Go and present yourself to Ahab. God has had enough of the evil of King Ahab and his Sidonian princess Jezebel who brought Baal worship with her to Israel and now is forcing by sword the practices of idol worship. See, Jezebel has murdered the true prophets of Jehovah and has used government funding to subsidize hundreds of priests and false prophets to Baal and his cohort, the fertility god Ashtoreth. The nation of Israel was officially apostate. Apostate means a person who renounces a religion or belief, practice, or principle. Here's what's going on, my friends. State pressure to conform has brought the people of God to a crossroads. It sounds so familiar to us today. Trust Jehovah or trust man. The inner conviction, do we stick to know what we know that is sound, truth over emotion, or do we conform to the patterns of this world because others do it? because our nation does it, because our leaders say it's okay to do it. Do we give in? The outer action, do we stand firm by faith, even to the point of persecution and speak the truth and we could do this in love and not hate? Or do we abandon truth for ease, comfort and culture pressures? What are we to do? Through what Obadiah and Elijah did and said, we discover what kind of God Jehovah really is. Two lessons we learn from our passage of 1 Kings 18, 1 through 17 that will help us cultivate the courage of our convictions so that we may stand in these dark days. Number one, we are learning that God is faithful to his promises. Elijah teaches us that God's commands are still applicable today. Number two, God is faithful to his people. Obadiah's position was established by God. Truth over emotion birthed courage and action to stand firm in the position, stand firm in the position in the face of persecution. Those are the two things we're gonna learn this morning. Let's dive in. Number one, God is faithful to his promises. Elijah teaches us that God's commands are still applicable. The scriptures record that King Ahab did more to provoke the Lord, the Lord God of Israel than any other king before him. King Ahab went against the word of God in Deuteronomy 7 by marrying a woman outside the house of Israel and led the people in idol worship. Now, some would say it was his wife. It was his wife that brought this in and she was the one that was doing it. But the king stood by and allowed this to happen. So he is ultimately guilty of that sin against the Lord since it, he didn't stop it or approve it. Think of, the, think of Genesis. We, it is recorded in Genesis that Eve saw the fruit, she took the fruit, she ate the fruit, she saw that it was pleasing to the eye and she gave some to her husband who was standing with her. Same thing is happening here. The God who is faithful to his promises sends Elijah to warn King Ahab that because of his sin, there, were, there would be consequences. Now church, listen with me for a moment. There are two things that we need to understand about our, our God. One, that he is long-suffering. He First, 2 Peter 3.9 says this, He, the Lord, is not, is not slow in keeping his promises as others understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you and me, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. 
Now this is a setup for a pattern how God acts in our lives. That's the first thing. He's long-suffering. And the second thing that we need to know and understand as God's people, as we do life together with God, is that God is a God of justice. Ecclesiastes 3.17 says, God will bring into judgment both the righteous and the wicked, for there will be a time for every activity, a time to judge every deed. Now, since the beginning, right up to our practices today, we see a pattern that has developed. And this pattern is that God shows grace and he shows grace to his people. God calls us out of darkness into marvelous light. We begin this relationship with God and everything is going great for a time being. And then we get distracted. We get distracted and we're tempted by things that are outside of God that we want to indulge in. Usually we will go after those things, take our eyes off Jesus, go after those things, and then we get into bondage. We get into sin. We get stuck in our sin. Oftentimes we forget about God. We stop talking to God during this rebellion period. And what God does, being a God of long suffering, is he will send, he will wait for us to repent or to turn from our sin. And if we continue to just go into our sin and live there and practice it, he will send consequences. We see this in the book of Judges so often. That the people of God did whatever they thought was right in their own eyes. They moved into sin. God waited for them to turn they didn't, God sends consequences. He makes their life hard. He would send Assyrians, Babylonians, Persians, and they would come in and they would bring captive to the God's people. And it would be so hard that the people would then in turn, turn to God, cry out, God would hear their prayers and he would come and offer grace. This is the pattern of the Old Testament. This is the pattern that we see in the New Testament. This is the pattern we see this week in our lives. I believe we are in one of three positions. We are walking with God faithfully. We are rebelling, with, rebelling against God and he is waiting for us to turn. Or three, we are just not turning and, we, and he is sending consequences to our lives so that we will cry out to him. We are in one of those three places if we are a child of God. And God is faithful to his promises. He is long suffering, but he will bring justice. And that's what we're gonna see in our passage today. King Ahab He's in a very special land that God loves so deeply. With a special people, God is commanded to live a special way. In Deuteronomy 11, 8, is such a rich and, and beautiful promise, caution for us. We see that the promised land was the land the Lord loved. It actually says this in the word of God. I, I, I discovered this, this actual phrasing. I've read it before, but studying this passage just really popped off the page. It says, the promised land is a land the Lord your God cares for. The eyes of the Lord, the, li the eyes of the Lord your God are continually on this land from the beginning of the year until the end of the year. God's watching this land all the time. Here's the promise. So if you faithfully obey the command I am giving you today to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart, with all your soul, then I will send something, this is very important, rain on your land in its season, both autumn and spring rain, so that you may gather in your grain, your new wine, your olive oil. I will provide, this is important, grass in the field for your cattle, and you'll eat and be satisfied. King Ahab is, has no rain and they are looking for grass and they don't have the provisions that they need because he is sitting in the land. The consequences, verse 16, be careful, warning, or you will be enticed to turn away and worship other gods. This is being played out 
right before our eyes in our passage. And then you will bow down to them. And then, here's the caution, the Lord's anger will burn against you and he will shut up the heavens and there will be no rain and the ground will yield no produce and you will soon perish from the good land the Lord has given you. He continues with a caution for us as leaders, as ones called out of darkness into marvelous light, as Christians, this is still applicable. Fix these words of mine in your heart and on your mind. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Teach them to your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. God is faithful to his promises and he will not just overlook our sin. As God warned Cain, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? Sin is crouching at your door and it wants to devour you. A powerful message to God's people today. We are being tempted every day to take our eyes off Jesus. Beloved, this has not changed. The sin that crouches before us is that of idolatry and apostasy. We, the question is, will you forsake the Lord in the land that he has given to you and turn to gods that promise big and deliver little? That's what we see every day. We see more and more people turning from God and giving into this new pressured norms pushed onto society. If his people who are called by his name continue to rebel, long-suffering God will bring justice. God will bring his promises and he will bring judgment. But God will also bring warning. As we see in the Old Testament, he brought prophets. As we see in the new church today, he brings spiritual leaders and pastors to preach faithfully the word of God. And if you come and, lead, and you hear the word of God and you do not turn from what you are doing, there will be consequences. So the time is now to cultivate the courage of your convictions, to know what you believe and why you believe it so that you may stand in these, in these dark days. And I want to remind you about the grace upon grace upon grace that God so lavishes on us. There is hope and encouragement for us today. So let us discover how amazing our God is through his directions through Elijah. See, Elijah shows up in 1 Kings 17.1. And he confronts King Ahab on his sin, the sin that we just read about in Deuteronomy 11. And God keeps his promises just as he directed. The Lord shut the heavens. There was no more rain. Elijah seems to appear out of nowhere, brings his judgment, and then he's gone again. Faithful to his promises, we see four miracles of provision and care. And why are these four miracles of provision and care even important? Well, I would say they're very important because even when God brings judgment on a nation, God still cares for his people. How is that applicable for us today? Let me just bring it down to our homes. Sometimes in our homes, as we do life together, sin happens in our houses. Whether that be in our, with, a, with a man or a woman or a husband or a wife or our kids. And sometimes within that household, some of the other people who have not sinned feel like the Lord has left them. And it feels like a hard, a hard play, just a hard push forward. But let me tell you that in God's promises, he brings care for those who love him. Some of you feel like you can't honor the Lord anymore because things have happened in the past, but that is simply not true. When we turn our hearts to God, he is faithful. When we 
lift up our prayers to God, he will listen. When we ask God for help, he will help. And this miracle of provision and care, even though the nation is being judged, just shows to us that God cares for his people who care for him. And we see these miracles of provision and care for the one meat and bread provided by ravens. Pastor Rick taught us a great, great lesson through that passage that he brought these ravens. That's not what they do. God's in control of the, the, the habits of his creatures. Number two, bread and oil through a widow that he will bring, he'll bring things that we need. Resurrection of the widow's son. He's more powerful than death. And today we're gonna see the fourth miracle unfold to convince the people that the covenant-keeping God is sovereign over everything. And in 1 Kings 18, 1 and 2, Elijah is called upon, no more waiting. Ahab has not repented. Judgment is coming. Wait, warning, 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 no more warning. Ahab has not searched for the face of God like David did in 1 Samuel 21. When there was a famine with David, what did David do? He searched for the face of the Lord. He, 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 he looked inward. He looked at his people. Who has sinned? Let's stop this. The only thing King Ahab was searching for was the prophet Elijah so he could kill him. And the word of the Lord came after three years. But if you look in James and John, or Luke and James, it's three and a half years stated there. And this is a, a symbol of judgment. Ahab could have turned at any time during those three years, but he didn't. Elijah returns, Elijah return, his return was not accompanied by repentance in Israel, but by the command of the Lord, he was done waiting, who in his sovereign grace determined to reveal himself anew to his people. I'm bringing judgment, it's coming. Church, the lesson we learned today is that God is not above making your life difficult so that you will turn from your sin and wicked ways, my sin and my wicked ways, repent and be healed by him. And if we were writing the Bible, none of us would write ourselves in as the character of King Ahab, but that's just what we do. We act like him by refusing to turn from sin to God in repentance. Is it not true that if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? See, God is not above making your life difficult so that you will turn from your sin and wicked ways, repent and be healed by him. God is not above making our nation difficult to live in so that we will turn from our sin and wicked ways and turn and repent and be healed by him. Not only do you and I personally have to get away behind closed doors and pray, Lord, search my heart as to reveal any wicked way in me, but we also must pray as a church and as a people, God, have we allowed the culture to corrupt our convictions? And have we compromised and bent the knee and we allowed idolatry to come into our lives? If we have sinned, there will be opportunity for restoration. But if we continue in our sin, there will be judgment. In this world, you will have trouble. Living for God is not easy. In fact, I believe it is only by the strength of God that we can actually finish this race. And Jesus said, it will not be easy for you and me as we live for God. And often when things get tough, our, our go-to thing is run away, get away. But if you listen to the priestly prayer that Jesus offered to his father, he said, do not take them out of the world, but strengthen them. We need the strength of God to press in. 
We need the strength of God to move forward. And our passage tells us this morning that the circumstances regarding the sin of the people and of King Ahab were intense. Verse two says, now that there was a a famine that was severe, not only did the drought cause the food to run dry, but also there was severe punishment. If anyone was speaking the name of the Lord, they were gonna be killed. So the word of the Lord dried up. People were not talking about God and that's a dangerous place to be in. That's a dangerous place for our household. When people in our, if, if you and your family stop talking about God, that's a dangerous warning. God's prophets were drying up and being killed. People were, spa- were afraid to speak the truth. Sometimes we can get to a certain point in our lives where we just continue to believe in false truth that we're scared to even bring up the name of the Lord or, or his, his actions or his rules or his, his truth that is so clearly evident to save us. We, we are afraid of that. But our story continues to show us that in hard circumstances, God provides A famine present, the royal steeds and armies are at the mercy of provision found by a search party looking for food. But God is faithful to those who are promised to him that he keeps to those that are his. And as the God of Baal, who is supposed to be promising big and delivers nothing, our God not only uses one sold out to him to provide safety, but he provides care and provision through Obadiah both bread and water, to two groups of 50 prophets that are hidden in caves. I think it's worth noting that usually when groups of 50 were kept together, it was, it was a sign of military might. What does God have in store for his prophets in storage? What does God have in store for us? Those of us who have been waiting and watching and trusting and ready to lead, I think more than you think. I believe that God is preparing us. He is preparing you and he is preparing me and you are seeing his faithfulness. Are you, the question is, are you seeing his faithfulness revealed in your life? Honest moment, I see it in mind. God is changing things. We are complaining. We are complaining about a drought, but I see a sense, I see and sense that the Holy Spirit is building something here. At Calvary, the rain is coming. While those who oppose God search for material possessions, the prophets of God and the people of God are saved by his daily provision. They are hidden away. They are ready and they are trusting. They can't find grass and water, but God is keeping the ones who trust in him alive and well-fed. God's promises are still true today. God is faithful to his promise, but do you believe it? Because you will be tempted to bail on God. When pressure comes, you will be presented to go with the flow. When the invitation presents itself and it will to abandon faith, if you are not sure of your convictions, you will struggle. God is faithful to his promises. He who has begun a good work in you, he will finish his work in you. So let's get a quick heart check. What's going on? What's going on on the inside in your life? Have you allowed a little bit of this and a little bit of that to just seep in? 
Could it be possible that, that the word of God and the faith that you possess has been quenched by trials and circumstances that you have been facing? Is the God that we testify and speak about become small and weak in your life? Have you asked as you were drifting off to sleep one night, God, can you really help me? Can you really redeem this mess? I want to encourage you. I want to tell you that we have a God that fights for you and me. This God is not small and he will not be overthrown and his will will be done. He calls us to resolve. Are we for God or are we against him? I want to remind us this morning, he is faithful to his promises. He was faithful to Elijah. And Elijah's life demonstrates that very thing for us. God provides Elijah with follow through of his promises so that Elijah could trust in what God says and what God does. And there are so many testimonies on this lot and people watching online that testify to that very truth that God is for us and not against us, that he will help us. When, our, when everything seems that it's, it is against us, he provides. We have story upon story about how our God saves, how he rescues, how he redeems. But when life gets hard, we seem to forget about that. That's why the church is so important to gather to remind each other of this truth. We are not alone. What, the God, what God promises, he fulfills. And God was working through Elijah. God working through Elijah, what that does, that's hope for you and me. James declares that Elijah was an ordinary man. You and I are ordinary people, but God is not like us. God is our ultimate hero. He has all power, all authority, all encompassing love. And he declares to you and me to love, he, to love him with all of our hearts, with all of our minds, with all of our souls and our strength, and he will be with us. That is his promise. How amazing is that to you right now? Declare it. Ordinary people with extraordinary God. And many of us miss out on living this thriving, powerful, spirit-fed life because in the back of our hearts and minds, we are tempted to believe that he can't. But he can God is faithful to his promises. Elijah teaches us that God's commands are still applicable. And, and if, you are, if you are struggling today, let me share some good news. Point two, God is not only faithful to his promises, God is faithful to his people. God establishes Obadiah's position in our, in our passage today. And we're gonna see that truth over emotion bursts courage and action to stand firm in his position when he, when he had to face persecution. Our text, I love this, our text tells us that God had a man on the inside. This is not an uncommon practice if you're reading the Bible with our God. He always seems to have someone on the inside close to those who are making decisions. We reflect back at certain characters. Nehemiah, cupbearer to the king. Daniel, made ruler to the entire province of Babylon. He was even put in charge of all the wise men. Joseph became second in command to Pharaoh. And now Obadiah was the palace administrator. And he was revered. He was a revered, devout follower and believer in the Lord. What we learn from this passage today is Obadiah's position was established by God. Many of us are in positions. Great positions of influence. Whether that be in the home, in a marriage, in our community, or in our church. 
And the New Testament testifies that God has given us work to do. He has plans for us. We can see this in the Old Testament with the prophet Jeremiah. We we know that Jeremiah was set aside and that God had plans for him, plans to prosper him, not to harm him, to give him a hope and a future. If you know anything about the prophet Jeremiah, he's known as the weeping prophet. No converts, none of God's people listened to him. He went through struggle after struggle after struggle and God still provided We see that God is not a God of chaos, but of order. And when we look into our world, we think that it's out of order, but God has plans. And God knew that Obadiah loved and feared feared the God of Israel, and he held these deep convictions. And when we hold this faith, and we hold these deep convictions, and we are starting to stand up under the pressure, God sees that, he uses that. And not only did Obadiah risk his position, but he risked his life but not by not only hiding, but daily providing the food and water necessary for the prophets of God. Obadiah was working on the inside for the Lord. Any day could have been his last day, and I'm sure he lived with constant fear. What if people find out what I've, what I've done? I'm sure many of us here today or those who are watching online have that same fear. What if people find out what I have done? Through the years of counseling that I've done, I believe that it is our past that holds us from not growing. And we go to great lengths to keep our past hidden, which is known by God. And I want to say, it's exhausting to try to keep up that practice of cover and conceal. And I believe that Obadiah had this same fear And I believe this fear was a temptation to Obadiah because when Elijah asks him to go tell the king that Elijah is here, we see that fear exposed. But just as we see fear exposed, we also see a process of trust. I see three things, three steps that Obadiah takes to share to make sure that his heart is in the right place. I see Obadiah in verse 9 being direct with Elijah, asking if he had wronged him. I see number two in verse 10, Obadiah is honest with Elijah, sharing that the king has gone to great lakes to to search for Elijah. Even about how the king made the people swear that they couldn't find him. So he was honest about what he was feeling. And and the third step was Obadiah expressed his concern with Elijah. Are you actually going to show up? If I go to the king and I tell them that you're here, well, you you have a reputation of the spirit just Picking you up, taking you places. Like, are you going to show up? Are you going to follow through? He is honest. He is direct. He is expressive. Those who are terrified of their past, they need to be honest, they need to be direct, and they need to be expressive to God. We don't see manipulation We don't see trying to offer a better solution. That's what we do when things aren't going our way and we feel tempted. What we want to do is offer a new solution. I have a better way that keeps me safe. Everybody gets happy. We don't see that. And we don't see cover up. We've got to stop covering up before the Lord. Obadiah shares he loves the Lord and that he has served the Lord since he was a youth. And he's been in the right place trying to do the right thing where the Lord has placed him. 
because God has a man on the inside. And this story is so encouraging to me because I have seen men and women that God has had on the inside. How God uses these people to care deeply like the ravens. They bring spiritual food daily. They offer provisions so that you feel cared for. They take time to be in other people's lives, to encourage, to cheer up, to help, to train, to grow, to walk. Either you're a person God has on the inside of the family, of your workplace, of your community, of your church, looking for those to strengthen. You're, you're looking all the time, who can I be in the life of? Who can I bring encouragement to? You're either that person on the inside or you're the person the inside person will minister to. And I have been in both places. There have been seasons where inside people sold out to Jesus have come alongside of me in dark days and brought love and light and provision and rest for my aching soul. And I've been on the other side being that for someone else. And I believe that is the beauty and the power of God working in the fellowship of believers. That's what the church is called to do. We gather, we worship, we teach truth, we know truth, we present truth. That is why we need to make sure that we are fully in for what God has in store for this summer, for this fall, for this winter, and this spring coming in Calvary. We come and we worship and we testify and we learn and church, we grow. And then we go out and we pour out the love, the truth, the care, the gentleness, and we go and we present the gospel because we are not afraid of the gospel. We are not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power that God gives to us. God is faithful to his people. He is faithful to, he was faithful to Elijah. He was faithful to Obadiah. He was faithful to the disciples. He has promised, Jesus has promised before he went to the right hand of the father that all authority in heaven and earth has been given to him and he has declared to us to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the father, the son and the Holy Spirit. And he promises, he promises that he will be with us until the very end of the age. Jesus promised that to you and me and to the church. He is faithful to his people. He will keep his promises. He will back his people. And in these dark days, misguided priorities, they lead to simplistic folly. And the people of God need to be of sound mind and sound faith in the might of God, remembering God will keep his promise to you. God will keep his promise to you. So turn to him and be strengthened and encouraged. God will protect his people because, a, because our God is a God of faithfulness, faithful to his promises, and faithful to his people. I'm going to invite you to join us next week as we look at what happens to those who make a mockery out of God and his people. I hope that you are encouraged today. Let's pray together. Father, we love you so very much. I thank you for this day. I thank you that we could gather in your name, that you have made a way for us to drive in here or tune in online to, to open up your word and read that you are faithful to your people. You were faithful to Elijah. That you are a long-suffering God, that you, will, you have patience for us to turn from our sin and call out to you and be forgiven by you. But if we continue to linger there, you will make our lives a little bit difficult so that we will turn to you. And we never want to get to the place where you are bringing judgment against us. Woe to us who continue to do that. 
So God, I pray as the church leaves today that you would bless us, that you would bend your ears down this week and and listen to our prayers of repentance and that you would give us strength and that you would bring rest to weary hearts, that you would give us the strength to do another week in your name so that we can come back here and bring honor and glory to you as we gather as the church. And I pray God for divine opportunities this week to either be an inside person, to show love, mercy, grace, and your abundant truth and strength in the life of another, or if, in, if people need that, I pray that you would point them to the right people in Jesus' name. We're so thankful for what you're doing here. We see your hand here at this church. We love you so very deeply. We give you this day in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.